Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. AHOP TV empowers believers with spirit-inspired messages and strategic equipping that accelerates your spiritual growth. You can subscribe to stream weekly content from Awakening House of Prayer, conferences, and other exclusive content to stir your hunger and encourage your heart. Visit us online at ahop.tv. Today's theme of this episode is significant and extremely special. I'm going to have a friend of mine from Lexington, Kentucky, do a testimony on PTSD miracle. You heard me, a post-traumatic stress disorder miracle, and I already know that in a miracle, there is the seed for the multiplication of that miracle to go into the lives of others. So I'm believing that as this is shared with you, there is going to be an atmosphere, an anointing, a presence of God to come heal people of traumas in Jesus' name. Well, let's go to the Word of God in Acts chapter 19, verse 11, where it reads, God gave Paul. Now, I love it already because it says God did it. Another translation says God was performing. Well, what? God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. Another translation, to perform extraordinary miracles. When the handkerchiefs and aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases, and evil spirits were expelled or left. And so we are believing for the Holy Spirit's presence and power in the name of Jesus to come upon people today. And so, folks, this is not just something strange. This is not something like over, like, hyper-spiritual. This is reality. In today's world, one of the greatest problems is depression, trauma, and then diseases that are are a result of that. So... With this in mind, from Acts chapter 1911, Extraordinary Miracles, I want to introduce you to a new friend of mine. He lives in Lexington, Kentucky, has a church there, is starting a whole church network. He's only 32 years old, married, got two kids and a third one on the way, and his name is Jonathan Stidham, and I love this guy. And because I can already tell he has power from the Lord, he has high-level gifting, but 
I know character when I I know it. And I believe this man has got character to carry the gifting. So, Jonathan, it's a delight and pleasure to have you with us today on this episode of God Encounters Today podcast. So I want you just to tell some of your story, your background, and I just tell us, man, what happened when you were in the Middle East there and like this like accident happened, and tell us about the miracle of the healing of PTSD. Absolutely. First, it's such an honor to be with you. Um, I'm grateful, and um, uh, my sincere prayer as well as I come into agreement with your faith is that many lives will be changed, um, healed, delivered, and set free from this testimony. It's the testimony of Jesus becomes the spirit of prophecy right now. And so my story begins um, at 19. And I joined uh, the Marine Corps. And, you know, the the reality is um, it was a wound that caused me, and I can get into some other things, that that really caused me to run into um, the Marine Corps. I'd signed up for the Marine Corps without even telling my parents. Now, what's uh, wild about that is I grew up in a very tight-knit family. So it was just a a very wild hair kind of moment in my life where I said, you know what, I'm just going to go for something. Now, my dad was in the Army, and his grandfather was in the Navy. So we have traction of military in our generations, but it was Army and Navy. And, um, James, they could never figure out uh, why I joined the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what really propelled me to join the Marine Corps either. Um, I'm adopted. So when I got out of the Marine Corps and I finally get medically retired. Um, I, I, wait, wait, wait. So you're only 32. Yeah. You're you're already already medically retired. For the rest of my life. Oh, my gosh. It's extraordinary. Okay, but you're also – you are physically adopted. Yes. So you're talking about your grandfather and your father, but you got from the, grafted from into grafted the in. Stidham tree. Absolutely. Okay. And so I'm adopted, and I have a sister that I never had met before reach out to me to introduce herself. And when she introduces me herself to me, she says, did you know our real father was in the Marine Corps? Mm, wow. And so I started to learn generational um curses and generational decisions um, that could be engrafted into children, even without the knowledge wow. of it. So I'm, I'm in the Marine Corps. And here's what's wild about that situation is while he, he did not get out honorably, whereas I reversed, I can understand now where God would even have let like had his hand on it because I broke another generational curse of of honor in our family. And so um, I'm in there and we get deployed to Iraq. We come back. It was a very safe trip. Um, and three months after we're back, we get slotted for Afghanistan. And I have this um, conviction, um, I would say, a notion in me that I wonder what's really going to happen on this trip. It was a very sudden um, uh, deployment. Um, there were things going on in the south uh, south providence of, Af- Af- of Afghanistan. There were no bases where we were going. In fact, we went three months without taking a shower. We went three months without taking a shower. And so we, you know, so there's just, um, you know, all of this was laid out before us. And while I'm on this trip, um, we get my section, my section of team gets hit by an IED. And so what had happened is we were coiled up um, and it was early in the morning and we didn't realize it. But our comm vehicle had slept on an IED. Now, an IED is an improvised explosive device. It's a pre-planet bomb in the ground. 
and our comm vehicle had had its wheels were on it all night long and so we get up in the morning we have no gear on um and in fact what we had done is we had bought a sheep to eat because we couldn't get food to us every time they would drop air food to us they would drop it in the wrong coordinates and it would it, it, in order to get it we'd have to get in some type of tick a tick is just a slang word for some type of firefighting in order to get to our resources and so um since we couldn't get our resources we would just buy sheep from the local uh people and we would we would cook them and skin them and eat them and and so we were we were getting ready to do that for that morning and our comm vehicle rolls forward and when it rolls forward i'm within 10 to 12 meters um, from the explosion that took place. Um, And when the explosion took place, because they didn't plan it right, we had the shrapnel that went off one side of it and the concussionary wave of over a 2,000-pound bomb that hit me and a, a couple other guys in the face. And we de- we got what was called TBI or traumatic brain injury um, that would that really grips the mind. It causes gray matter tissues, memory loss. It can cause nerve damage. It can cause sight loss. Um, it, it, it is the genesis of post-traumatic stress dis- uh, disorder. In fact, um, a lot of guys don't really realize that when they're dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, they're also dealing with the traumatic brain injury um, side of it as well. Okay, so but tell us then. So this is real severe. How severe was it in your uh, life? It was extreme. So I, when I got back, I spent over a year um, in and out of uh, Bethesda, Maryland, right there where Walter Reed is. The NICO Center. They had just opened the NICO Center. The NICO Center is the National Intrepid Center of Excellence, and it became like the nation's most revered place to study brain injuries. In fact, like Harvard, all of these other medical um, universities would get their cases from this place. Um, and so they begin to send Marine, Army, Navy, etc. to the NICO Center. Um, my, my documents from my injury alone was over a thousand pages long. I was on 16 medications. Um, the PTSD side of it, which I got 70% retirement alone just from PTSD. Um, and so I'm 90% retired from the military. 70% of it was from PTSD alone. And I spent 30 days uh, uh, inpatient away from my family. I spent four or five months outpatient where I'd have to drive to D.C. for, you know, 30 to 45 days at a time um, just to, you know, get my thinker, <laughs> you know, try to align back out. So um, I thank God for the resources. But. It was a it was a very dark time in my life. I mean, you're th- you're facing every doctor you see, and you know they don't bring in like it's like a progressively worse type of deal. So every doctor that comes in gives you a progressively worse diagnosis. <laughs> it's like why don't you just send in the worst one first and then let it get better? I don't know. Um, but you know, I had from anywhere from you know basically your life's never going to be the same. You know, your memory's never going to really be the same anymore. Um, your your cognitive abilities are never really going to be the same anymore. You're not going to be able to control your emotional system anymore. So I was depressed. Um, I loved God. And I, you know, I had a frustration and anger, but it wasn't towards God. It was towards my situation of really accepting what they were saying um, and, and thinking in my brain, I'm, I'm never going to be the same. So I got really depressed. Suicide was really starting to come upon me. I, I had begged my wife to leave me. I begged her. I begged her to leave me. I said, listen, um, 
I said, um, you know, I'm never going to, I legitimately believed I could never give her the life she deserved. It was, you know, and, um, I'd watch, you know, I'd met really close friends there that became close. Um, some officers, some enlisted. Um, one of them was a colonel. He, he had got blown up. Uh, and, um, and he went back on another deployment. And the reason he was there from this one is he went back to save, um, and a, a guy from, um, that was in the Afghanistan police department. And when he did, he got shot three times and he was there and I watched their marriage and I saw the ramifications. He had, he had been through this process. He was in three years into this now. You know, and surgery after surgery and doctor to doctor. So you're getting tested, basically, or a trial in almost every area of life. And so you reach such a place of depression or desperation that you turn to your wife, who you dearly loved, and Mm -hmm. she says, you deserve better than this. I don't even know. You Maybe you just need to – let's go on down the road, okay? And so you go through all of that, and do you start to recover or what? Um, I, you, By the way, your wife didn't leave. No, she did not leave. Praise God. Um, you know, and I did everything I could to push her away. Um, just she was grounded in Christ, and um, and so it. You don't really get better. You learn to coincide. You learn to coincide because, and and so many of my friends turn, and that's why you have so many uh, in the military that they turn to alcohol and they turn and 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 we can say what we want, but until you have seen the severity and you've had to make the decisions that young men have to make, um, you know, it's it's first of all it's not normal, but then you you take it to another level and you're and you're giving the power of life and death to 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. Mm-hmm. And for me, like at my age of 21, 22, not only are you given power of life and death, you are responsible for the life of other men. You know, so all of this is weight and so you you it's not a get over, it's really you you learn that that's a part of you. And that's, you know, so when you, I remember one night, um, I often don't tell these stories, but I really feel like I need to be vulnerable. Um, I had a, I had a, I had a pen pistol and um, it was a Ruger and I cleaned it. And when I would clean it each night, I would place like the lower receiver on my dresser, the upper receiver in the chamber in the, in the rounds, I would put them in my closet on um, the top shelf. And I woke up one night and it was completely put back together and it was loaded and it was on my chest, Whoa. you know? So it, it's just another part of you. It's just like, it just, it's, it, it, you know? And so, uh, um, so when I say, you know, I didn't want, I just, I didn't know how to live with this side of me. I didn't know how to, okay, this is going to be. And so, um, and, and so I know a lot of people when they say, okay, you know, the military people, they just get belligerent when they get out. They don't know. It's not that they don't want to work. It's not that they don't want to fit in with society. Um, you're, you're talking about, you know, 30, 40 years of war that we're just now starting to recognize hidden wounds in, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and you're talking about experiences that most people have never experienced. And now there's traumatic incidences that people have experienced that aren't related to war. So when I'm speaking of this, I pray that I'm speaking into the heart of anybody who's ever been traumatized, um, that, you know, it, it, it is a very real notion and understanding that people do not realize what you're going through. 
they don't realize. And so we, the, you know, I look at the mass population of even homeless military men and or women or homeless veterans, and it's not that they don't want to fit in society. It's that they had this inner war. Remember the scripture Paul said, I, I war within myself. Mm-hmm. Like there's this inner war that conflicts inside of them. You know, when you're over there, it's like time stops. There's no emails. There's no Facebook. There's no Twitter. There's no, you know, and so it's this, this thing begins to rise in you that you want to fit in. You want to continue in life, but you don't really know how to anymore mm-hmm. because you've been introduced to something that is, com- I don't know, you know, I don't know. Movies can't put it into words, yeah. you know, when you smell something mm-hmm. and it triggers you. And now all of a sudden you're back in Afghanistan. Yeah. You know, when you um, hit a pothole in the in the car and all of a sudden now you're back in Afghanistan. Um, and so and, and it, this is just ongoing. And so this is that was a journey for the for, for three years of my life. That was a journey of trying to say, OK, um, how do I get the tools and the resources to coincide? And unfortunately, you know, at least one person I was telling you earlier, one person a year that I've deployed with has committed suicide because they could not learn how to. And you were deployed with maybe around 300 men. Mm-hmm. And then, but you're saying one, how often? Uh, at least yearly, to yeah. e- yearly to 18 months. Okay. So we're talking about severe intensity. I've been through trauma myself, nothing like what Jonathan is talking about. But one of the keys that helped me was that I learned that Every emo, every memory has a stored emotion, mm-hmm. and so when he's talking about you hit the pothole and it triggers a memory, the the problem is that memory has a stored emotion, so you end up in a sense reliving in the emotion of that trauma that you had actually experienced. So, but let's move on. Let's go to the positive. That's mm-hmm. a little, that's the background. So, what did Jesus do for you? Yeah, absolutely. And so to go in, I want to make, I want to start with the genesis of this one statement. When I didn't desire to live anymore, it wasn't because I didn't love God. I loved Jesus. I just didn't know how to go on in a manner that he didn't create me to be in, in a, in a, in a disposition in which, you know, I wasn't before. And so um, when I got out of the military, obviously the doctors, um, their diagnosis, you know, your memory shot, your, you know, all of these things, you're going to have to continue on 16 medications. And uh, this is your new life. This is your new you. And the Lord, the, so my wife had, kept going to church through all this. And again, I had this built-in frustration. I loved God. I was not mad at God. I was mad at my circumstances. And a lot of people have been traumatized. That's If they could put into words, that would probably be their their verbiage, is that something they're mad at God. They just don't know how. So she'd keep going to church, keep going to church and asking me if I want to. And I'm like, I just, I don't want to. And so one night she was in her room praying for me. And I just had my second surgery. I had all the nerves cauterized in the back of my head all the way through my neck because when I would I would get migraines that would disable me for three, four, five days at a time. I couldn't it would they would be so bad that I couldn't see. I mean, blackness would like. And so um, they cauterized all my nerves and I'm laying on the couch and she's in there praying. Now, when I say she's praying, she's going to town. God, you've called him to nations. You've called me a prophetic voice. He's going to fulfill his destiny. And I'm trying to get to the remote to turn up the TV to drown it. It's not that I don't love God. It's not that I don't love God. It's that I just couldn't handle 
mm-hmm. where I was. I just yep. could, I didn't know how to. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the, the Spirit of the Lord comes and he hovers above me. Now, this is radical. And he speaks these words to me. He said, I am going to cause you to do everything they, could, they said you could never do. Say it again. I'm going to cause you to do everything they said you could not do. Jonathan, say it again. Say it slower. Say it like God yeah. was saying it. Yes. So the Lord said, I am going to cause you to do everything they said you could not do. Okay. Right now, I want you already to pray into that. Release yeah. that into people because yeah. that's a word. Faith comes by hearing yes. and hearing the words yes. of Christ. And so when you heard that, mm-hmm. something was created in your heart, your spirit, yes. man, which was faith, and faith fights. So already pray into that. Yeah. So, Father, I just released this word over every person who could be dealing with any traumatic experience in their life, that they are not going to be bound to the limitations of their experience. But right now, you are causing faith to arise inside of their hearts, and they will be overcomers. And they will know, Philippians 4, that they can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives them strength because you are the source of our strength. So I release this right now as a prophecy to them that everything that could said that they were limited, they have now become unlimited because of you. And I loose this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, Jonathan. So let's go back. I yeah. want you to tell us some more. Then then oh, your wife is like you said, going to town. She's going after it. Yeah. So she's really interceding Absolutely. in a spiritual warfare mm-hmm. manner for your destiny, but her destiny and the destiny of your family yes. is all tied to your destiny. So while she's praying for you, she's actually praying for your whole Absolutely. lineage and legacy. So then what happened? So it, you would think that, you know, God gives, you know, he comes by way of cloud and he speaks this over you. And you would say, okay, you must have been completely healed. I wasn't. I had a word. Yeah. And I then I had a choice. I had a word and I had a choice. And the choice was I could follow the word and believe that the Bible says his promises are yea and amen and that God will do everything, that he who began a good work is faithful to finish it, or I could sit in Lodabar. I could sit in this place. So I just pursued the word. I pursued the word. I, I went, I, I uh, went, when I finally got retired out of the Marine Corps, I in, uh, enrolled at Asbury College. Asbury University College in Wilmore, Kentucky. Wilmore, Kentucky. Yes. Yeah. And I took, uh, I enrolled in the hardest, one of the hardest program they had, biblical Hebrew. Okay. And my wife, and like, even like that, so they, I have these, the counselors that were assigned to me to take my case. Um, so when I got out just to ensure, you know, and they even said, are you sure you, you want to do that? Cause they're looking at my file. It's a thousand pages. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, 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 it's insane. And so they're like, are you sure? And I said, I'm, I'm going to take, I'm going to read a, I'm going to read a Hebrew Bible. I'm going to read a Hebrew Bible. And so I take three years. It was amazing. And so after I get done taking three years of biblical Hebrew, I call. And now one of the crazy cool things that God things that happened, I was assigned one of the nation's renowned, um, uh, uh, I don't know the medical terminology for the doctor, but brain doctor, basically. Um, and he was assigned to my case and he really took it on. His name was Captain Robert Kaufman. And after I got done taking biblical Hebrew, the Lord said, I want you to call him and tell him what I've done. So I call him up 
And I said, hey, sir, how are you doing? He said, hi, John, how are you doing? You know, I was like going. And I said, I want you to know, I just got done taking three years of biblical Hebrew. And because it's been three years, he said, let me pull up your case. And he looks, he says, that's not possible. He said, I'm looking at, you know, and, and so because of that one conversation, now here's a guy who's not serving God, who, who really doesn't believe in God. Right. And now he calls me every single year. And here's what he asks. He says, what is this God of yours doing in your life? It's hmm, amazing. So I take three years of Hebrew. And when I get done, the Lord says, I want you to write your first book. It was called God's love. God loves to adopt. And it was my journey into understanding God as father from an adoption into the lineage of sonship. And so I write this book and then he says, call him back and tell him what you just did. So I did it. And he's like mesmerized. And then the Lord says, plant your first church. Okay. That wasn't even on my radar. Like hmm. that's not even, I'm, that's not even on my radar. Plant a church. What do you want me to do? And so I just started a Bible study of seven people in my living room. And before I know it, um, we're so full, I have to move it and then I have to move it and I have to move it. And within a year, there's a couple hundred people. And I'm like, man, what do I do with this God? Like, so this whole journey of, and so right in between, I want to get to the miracle. Right in between that, um, I was still dealing with migraines. So I'm doing all this because of a word. So mm-hmm. I gave you a bunch of so faith without works is dead. dead the book of James says, mm-hmm. or another way of saying that is faith without appropriate actions yes. is a dead corpse. So you added appropriate actions to the word, to the word. and then so faith met actions, and it kicks in gear. The supernatural activity of God. So let's tell tell about the miracle part. And I love that because even with the word of the Lord, um, we could I could have laid there and not received the healing, the miracle, because I had the word, but it, it, if it was not met by any actions, it wouldn't have done any good. So I gave you a, a lot of history, a lot of things that had occurred, but in the middle of that, uh, before I had planted the church, I started traveling doing miracle crusades. I was seeing deaf ears open and blinded eyes see. I was, it was radical. And I was in this service one time. I'll never forget it. I was in Mississippi and this guy comes in and he's in, he's in a wheelchair and he had been paralyzed because he was on a mission trip in Africa and got into an accident. And all he wanted to do was go back to Africa on a mission trip. And he's in there and the power of God starts moving the place and jumps on him. And he jumps out of the wheelchair and he starts running around completely healed. And all he's screaming is, I get to go back to Africa. I get to go back to Africa. I get to. And, and, and here's the thing. I went after that service and I had such a chronic headache that it demobilized me for days. And I was wounded inside of me. And I looked up at God and I said, how is it that, you know, I can lay hands or I can prophesy and these people are getting healed and I'm wounded and I'm still hurt, Mm -hmm. you know, because oftentimes we feel like we have to be perfect to be used by God. And the Lord spoke something to me. It changed my life. He said this. He said, Jonathan, if I never heal you, will you still do what I've called you to do? Hey. Um, that's called a pause button in, uh, the Psalms. It's called Selah, which means, uh, we need to ponder on that one. What Jonathan, we're going to have to do two parts on this God Encounters Today podcast. Tell us again, 
What just happened? Miracles happened. This guy it gets miraculously healed. You have split and migraine headaches. You go back. I call it, you get in God's face, and he says what to you? He says, Jonathan, if I never heal you, will you still do what I've called you to do? And what did you say? I just wept in yeah. repentance. I made it my heart to say yes. Yeah. But in that moment, I'm just going to be honest, I sobbed like a baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> so we're going to pick back up on this story in a second part of this episode on the healing of PTSD. But, Jonathan, there are people out there who might not have gone through what you've gone through, but in their emotional place, they don't know. <laughs> I know a little about this. They don't know if they can continue. They don't know if they want to continue. And they're grateful for everything God does through them, but they're waiting for God to do something for them. I want you to pray into that for our listeners, because there's a lot of people that when they hear stuff like this, they rejoice. And that's another part. It makes them raw because we're connecting to real lives real hearts, and real circumstances. So, Jonathan, would you pray into what you just said? Mm -hmm. If I never healed you, would you still do what I have called you to do? Yeah, so, Father, I speak to every heart that's listening right now, and every heart um, that seemingly, maybe they're in dark places because of traumas, and whatever trauma that be, there's no small trauma. Um, hidden trauma is one of the worst ones because it's the place where you can hide in your trauma. And so, Father, I speak to them right now, and I just say when light shines, darkness has to go, and and you're the hope of glory. So, Father, I just lose hope into them that even in a place where they feel inadequate or broken, light can shine, and they can still be used to glorify you, Jesus, and be used to advance your kingdom, that we don't have to have it all figured out. All we need is a word, and the word is that God chose you before the foundations of the earth, And when you were in your mother's womb, God formed you and he called you and he said, I gave you a future and a hope. So I lose a word over them. And I ask God that no matter where they're at in their process and in their life and in the and all their experience with this trauma, that they would just cling to this word that God said he gave you a future and a hope. And you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to feel like you've got to be perfect. And it's okay to journey in your trauma as you're being used by God. But just start the journey in Jesus name. Hey, this is just absolutely amazing. It's so wonderful that we're doing an exception. We're going to come back with a part 2 to this and uh I want you to know this. What God has done, what God is doing, and what God is going to do through Jonathan Stidham. He wants to do for you, through you, and to touch your lineage and legacy as well. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible. 